You are listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church, located at 3144 South Home Avenue in Berwyn, Illinois. We invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9 o'clock a.m. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we are looking at the epistle of 1 Peter. 1 Peter uses two words that are important for us today. He calls us pilgrims and sojourners. Pilgrims and sojourners. The idea behind this is that we are people who are traveling through a land that is not our own. Back in the ancient world, they had a division between people who were citizens and people who were not. And it was very different from the way we looked at the world. You could be a citizen and not, and not a citizen and live in a country your whole life. Citizenship didn't work the way we think of it, is when you move to a different place, you change. It just wasn't accessible to people from outside of that country who weren't born into that nation. Sojourners, then, were people who were, whether they were staying there long-term or short-term, were considered strangers and aliens passing through that land. That's what St. Peter calls us when we're living in this world. And he tells the sojourners to follow their obligations to the world, whether it's to the king or to masters in specific. What he's pointing to is that we live in two different kingdoms, two different ways of thinking about ourselves that have to be there at the same time. The first one is our kingdom of salvation, of the church where we stand before God. In this kingdom, you have been chosen as God's children. By baptism, you've been brought into Christ, mystically united with him, so that we are clothed in Christ's glory. It means that there is no difference between any one of us. All are the children of God. The divisions of life don't matter. We are all kings and queens raised from the dead, given the same glorious glory that Christ has in his resurrection. And when he returns, we will be the rulers of the whole earth. Pretty cool. When we stand before God, that is how God looks at us. But at the same time, there is a relationship between each other. That in the world, we have obligations that are supposed to be kept. The examples Peter uses are a relationship to the king at those times, the emperor and his officials, and to the masters of slaves. But we can see it in all aspects of, of our own lives, that we have duty and obligation to the people around us. One of those things that we celebrate today is the role of mothers towards their children. But we can think about it in a worker's obligation to their boss, uh, children to their parents, uh, all of our job to follow the law. We have all of these obligations and a system of ordering 
that is different from our relationship with God and each other. We get this, most of us. We've been living in this order. We understand our duties and obligations. And we're used to having the idea that all of us are equal in Christ. I think we forget how radical that was for the ancient world. How different it would be that every single person was equal in Christ. In the ancient world, people were categorized by their values, by what it meant to be you. Aristotle believed that people were born into certain classes and they had qualities of that classes. The ancient world did too. Slaves had a lower quality of human than free people. The Romans didn't believe that you could accept the testimony of a slave unless he was tortured because they're all liars and deceivers. It's very different from what the gospel would say. They also believe the same thing about the divisions between foreigners and and national-born citizens. Barbarians for the Romans, they were of lesser quality. A true Roman citizen was worthy of rights and honor, but if you were from somewhere else, no way. The Jews had this too. Gentiles were all immoral sinners and they were awful and God could never love them. And they were the chosen people. The division existed between men and women too. Men were supposed to be of much better quality and stock than women. And even the access to God was different for both of them. But when Jesus comes along, he says that there's no difference. Free men are no better than slaves. Men are no better than women. Foreigners are no different from locals. None of these divisions matter because in Christ we're all one. We are all clothed in his righteousness. We are all given the same glory and honor. We are all the rulers of creation. And it doesn't matter what situation you're born into. It doesn't matter your family background. None of us of that matters because we're one in Christ. And this shows very early on. We have a letter of Philemon where St. Paul writes to uh, Philemon about a slave, Onesimus. The slave gets sent back to Philemon after running away because Philemon was treating him poorly. And Paul tells him, you know, take him back and love him as a brother in the faith. And this slave, we were told, grows up to be a bishop in the church eventually. This would have been impossible under the old system. These old divisions of class and character, all of that meant nothing. Totally radical for these people. And it would be easy to guess that they would take this this great leveling and try to apply it to the rest of their lives. Say to each other, we are all one in Christ, created to be kings of this earth, ruling over everything. How could we possibly have to obey the emperor? 
Who does he think he is when we're all one in Christ? Why do we have to follow all the old rules? We're one in Christ. We have his glory and honor. This might sound strange, but Christians have tried to do this throughout the years. They've taken it like that a little too far, this relationship with God, and applied it to the world. Quakers do that in, the, in their worship services and in their churches. They don't have pastors. They don't have an order of worship that you're supposed to follow. Everybody is equal, and when they get around, they just sort of wait for someone to say something. Let's say a psalm together. Let's sing a song. And anybody can stand up and preach or talk or do whatever they want, even if they have no idea what they're talking about. They say it's because they're all one. How could there be divisions in this unity of Christ? In the Reformation, they did things like that. They, uh, there were all of these radical Anabaptist groups that would, would say there's no divisions between people. Christians can't take up roles in government because nobody's supposed to be a ruler over others. Christians can't be involved in the world because nobody is supposed to be distinguished from others. Sounds a little weird, doesn't it? For us, we don't have to learn that lesson. As sojourners in this world, well, we're used to following the rules and thinking of our obligations. And I think we've learned that lesson a little too well. I think we've learned to emphasize our relationships with each other and the duties and obligations we have toward each other more than the idea that we, our true citizenship is in the kingdom of God in the kingdom of heaven. What do I mean by that? We focus on our lives now as if we were citizens of here and not sojourners and aliens, pilgrims going through this land. And you can see it in the way we cling to the things of this world. When we get terrified and worried about our futures, wondering whether our homes and our lives will be taken care of, that's clinging to the things of this world. Acting as if these things are not just sort of passing through our fingers. We get them, we use them, and then they're gone. We die, and we go to be with Christ, waiting for the resurrection. Why do we get so angry when things don't work out well at our work? When our boss is a jerk, or our coworkers are lazy? We don't need to be angry about that. This is just temporary. It's nothing. We'll be here 80, 90, 100 years, and then we're gone. Living in Christ. Being with Him. We don't need to lash out. We don't need to get upset. We just do our thing. Why do we hold on to our money? As if we're citizens of this world. As if these things really matter to the people of God. We've learned the lesson that we're a part of the world a little too well. But it's part of our human condition. 
everybody thinks this way. You can see it. Um, one of my favorite examples of, of fear for the future and grasping hold of our need to control things comes from that college admissions uh, scandal. I'm sure you've heard of it. There were all those people who had lots of money who felt the need to throw it at someone so that they could cheat to get them into the university of choice. Whether it was hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars so their kid could get into whatever. Can you imagine the fear behind that? The terror that would cause someone to pay $6 million to get their kid into a university. That is fear for the future. That's terror that you would think that this is so important. Why not just give the kid the $6 million? They'll never have to work again. But no. And we see it in the way other things work too. Youth sports are like that. They fear that the kid just won't be a well-rounded person, won't have the right things on their resume for when they apply to college, won't have all the best experiences so the, the flower of their spirit can blossom into its fullness. They're afraid. And it comes before our citizenship in heaven. Or even when people work on Sunday mornings. Isn't that crazy to think that you would put the, your food or your finances before God? So what if you starve? So what if you never make a single dime again? We're just pilgrims, sojourners through this world. Wouldn't it be better to starve? than to stay away from God's grace for the rest of your life? Wouldn't it be better to not live a single day? Because our citizenship is in heaven. Our life is in Christ. And so while we look at all our obligations and duties in this world, we always have to remember we're passing through we're pilgrims and sojourners. What it's like is when you're traveling on the interstate, if you're traveling in a car, you've got a long way to go, you're heading somewhere pretty cool, it's a, a lot of fun. Maybe you're, you're going to like a Christmas vacation, heading off to Wally World. You're on your way, you're heading out, and you're th going through the interstate, but you get to a rest stop. And you, you get out of your car and you're, you're like, you know, we're going to stay here. We're going to take a break, go to the restroom, maybe, maybe let the kids run around, get, shake their uh, sillies out. And it's so nice there that you decide to stay. You're like throwing the Frisbee back and forth. You set out a picnic. Oh, isn't this fun? We could just have fun here, right? Are you ever going to get to the destination? Are you ever going to go to the place that you want to be? to the, the amusement ride, to the great thing, to the goal. You've got to keep your eye on where you're driving. And that's what we need to remember. That we are sojourners. We are 
pilgrims passing through this kingdom when our true identity, our true life, is in the kingdom of God. In the promise of the resurrection. No matter anything around us, all of this stuff doesn't matter. Whether it's at work and we're treated poorly, whether it's in the following our laws, whether it's in our families, all these things don't matter next to the joy of Christ and His promise. Let's not forget that as we do our duties in this world, as we look at our relationships and our service. Not forget that our primary life is in Christ. And then we live that in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church. For more information about getting involved, please visit concordiaberwin.org. Like us on Facebook at Concordia Lutheran Church and Little Lambs.